So Jordan, what was the great thing that happened to you this week? Okay. I received a message, as many of you know, uh, you know, the quadcast went live a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, we, we debuted a, a number of episodes. I'm very proud of what, the work that we've done, but I got a message from my aunt. My 90 year old grandmother was able to tune in on YouTube and watch the, the quad, watch the pod that is, and just to see us in action and just to see the hard work that we put in. So very touching grandma. If you're watching this episode, I love you. Thank you very much for tuning in. It's great to, to have you tune into the, the quad and, you know, see the crew here and the pod. It was just super cool to hear that news. So I'm happy that you all could kind of be part of it as well, too, because I, I feel like, you know, more viewers, you know, more attention on the pod is the better for everybody. And the more we can keep, you know, pumping out quality episodes. So we got the warm and fuzzies. I, what can I say? Welcome to the Technically Diverse Podcast featuring the Quadcast crew. Welcome to episode 10 of the Technically Diverse Podcast. We are located at the intersection of cultural diversity and technology. My name is Jordan. I am hosting the podcast, but my co-host is Ruby, a.k.a. Amsako. Live from Boxing Academy in India. Hi. Behind the scenes and working his magic is Uncle Mike. Remember, if it ain't Mike, it ain't right. Hey, how's everybody doing today? And keeping us in line and doling out law and order is our producer, Roz, a.k.a. Peaches. Hi. Feeling super blessed today. (laughs) We're going to do a deep dive today into the hair industry, hair products, and everything hair. Um, It's been requested, and we decided to deliver. Okay, so we couldn't talk about hair or have an episode about hair without our next special guest. Please welcome Elle Salvaggio Peters. She's a freelance journalist, content marketing consultant, and a pseudo hair aficionado. Thanks for coming on the show, Elle. Oh, Jesus. I just like spaced out. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Nice to be on the show. I was so intent on listening to Jordan, like just, you know, big myself up that I totally forgot to say hi. So. (laughs) Hi, nice to be on the show. Beautiful. So, Elle, welcome to the show. I know that you have a master's degree in journalism and communications from Columbia University. You also have a bachelor degree in political science and Afro-American studies from Howard University, a traditional HBCU. So, you know, a little clapping for that. Um, You've worked with MLSE, the Elizabeth Fry of Toronto Association, yeah. The Massey Center for Women. And you're currently utilizing your talents while, um, you know, working with companies in the music and entertainment industry. I think that's all of it. That sounds like a lot. You're, like you're, old. you're <laughs> definitely a, a busy beaver. And I went ahead and I, I, you know, I wanted to know more. So I did online research on you. And, um, you know, I was able <laughs> and you to... you found nothing? No, 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 no. I found some stuff, okay? So uh, I was able to figure out that your favorite color is magenta. Your favorite food is Spanish tapas. Um, in your spare time, you like to ride jet skis, perform Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and you're an avid tennis and yacht racing fan. What? Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound right. Where did you find? Where? Where? Where did you find? <laughs> where did you find 
back this stuff, Jordan. I feel like you're, I feel like you're making it up. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm going to come, I'm going to come clean. I, I made everything up. All that is false. <laughs> I couldn't find anything on you online. And I, I, I saw the irony here because you manage social media for other people and other entities and there's nothing on you. And I, I thought that. And I have irony. no social media. Yes. And I yeah. like it that way. How, how is that possible? How there's not a trace of you on the internet. You're just like a, a phantom at this point. Yeah. Well, part of my jobs and in past, my jobs have kind of been being a ghost, sort of being behind the scenes and just as a natural introvert who has a job in communications and sort of music, I really like to play the background. I don't, I always tell Roslyn this, which is weird because of how we met, like I don't like people and I know because of my <laughs> job, that sounds weird, um, but I it just, things make me nervous. Even just talking with you guys right now, it, it took a lot, a lot. So I just, I've always played the background always. And I've mastered it. I have social media, but nobody would know that I have social media. And that's okay. just been a large part, a large part of my job. So when you said that you found something, I was kind of like, how? Well, I, I'm, I'm pretty techie. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't pass, put it past me. I'll find something eventually. But for now, you know, I'm comfortable, you know, using these kind of fake facts to, to, to go by. I mean, I'm sure if you went on Elizabeth Fry Toronto or maybe even the Massey Center site, you'll find something. But I've kind, it's, it's kind of been my job to, it is my job to be, be a ghost of some sort. So I bring people's like visions to life, but I always play the background and I, I prefer it that way. Wicked. Well, you know what? We can we can definitely respect that. Um, so, you know, Raj told us a little bit about how you guys met, but I'd love to hear your version of the story um, and, you know, to get a little bit behind that. Uh, so we were, we were both on a flight to Grenada and um, I expect that maybe her first introduction to me was like, oh, OK, because there was a man who just sort of like took over my seat and then had the nerve to ask me if it was OK for his wife to sit in my seat, but she was already sitting there when oh. I came. <laughs> so, so I, I guess he wanted like, to have a confrontation. He would, no, well, he said, he's like, Are, um, is this okay? And I simply said, no, it's not. And waited for her to move, remove herself from my seat and I sat down. So that was our sort of first <laughs> so wait, so <laughs> introduction. You, you sat beside the guy on the flight after? Like in the well, same Well, yeah, well, his wife was in my seat and he, I don't know, maybe because I had picked that seat, maybe they booked their flight late. He just couldn't, they couldn't get a seat together. So she was sitting sort of across from him and I was sitting right beside him, but she was already sitting there. And when I got on the plane, I kind of looked like, but wait, <laughs> this is my seat. <laughs> Why are you here? Um, and then he's just, he looked at me like, kind of like, what about it? And I was just like, um, excuse me. And then he said, oh, do you mind? And I said, yes, I do. That's all I said was, yes, I do. I mind. Okay. Al, I need, I need to know, was it the window seat, the aisle it was, seat? It or was the, the window seat. It was the window seat and she had the, the aisle seat and I was not sitting there. Not in first class, sweetie. I paid my coins. Move. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was yeah. sitting behind her and I was like, yes, 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 yes. Tell them these people are not making you move. <laughs> No way. Yeah. <laughs> so, that was, <laughs> <laughs> so that was So that was our introduction. I'm like, oh, this, this girl probably thinks I'm so mean because I'm just like, no, I mind. Um, and then when we got off the plane, we just so happened to like be walking together. And so yeah, we just started up uh, a conversation. 
um, which is something that I I just don't do. Usually I have resting bitch face. So I was surprised that so I'm like, oh my God, somebody's talking to me. What what do I do? <laughs> so did you did you talk to Roz first or did she talk to you first? Oh, she spoke to me first because that would never happen. I would never speak to anybody ah. first. <laughs> At work all day, that's fine. But by, by myself personally, no, it's it's just not gonna happen. Even if I wanted to, it just I don't know why. It just I just can't do it. So Roz has given us the skinny that you're this hair aficionado. How how did that come to be? And you know, take us take us a little bit behind that. Okay. Um. Well, when I was 21, I got pregnant. I had a little girl, and I didn't know what to do with my hair. I used to do this thing called blow frying my hair, um, which is I would I couldn't. My mom had always done my hair, and throughout high school, I used to blow fry my hair, which was I take a blow dryer no heat protectant anything and literally blow dry it straight obviously it wouldn't that last I didn't have a relaxer I had natural hair um and so I knew that I was not going to do that with my daughter's hair and I had to research and figure out how is this going to work what am I going to do to take care of her hair so I didn't have a choice I had to figure it out and I'm a very research-based person so I started researching you know, hair. And as she got older, obviously babies are born with a different texture than they grow up with. Um, I had to figure out my texture. And so we both have different textures, but just by doing research, um, I figured out what to do. And yeah, it's been like that ever since. I used to even have a, a hair blog because I just needed answers. What, what am I doing? I don't know what to do with my hair or her hair. How am I figuring it out? And it also started from them and just researching on YouTube where there was only no, it was early in the days. This was like 2007. So had to figure it out. And I did. Wow. Well, you know, that's, that's an, that's incredible. You know, uh, big ups to you for, for taking that initiative to help with your daughter. Uh, Ross put me up on the hair types recently. And I've now, um, you know, it's a game for me to try to figure out uh, other people's hair types. I, I stare at their hair. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what that one is. Um, so <laughs> I had no idea about the hair types. So uh, that was that, that's been pretty cool. What was that? I actually like? do not believe in hair typing. So really, yes, I find it very discriminatory. It actually, does nothing for you to learn how to take care of your hair. It just tells you what type of hair you have. What what is that going to do for you? Nothing. Does okay, nothing. so explain about that because I have I have no idea. I'm I'm a complete hair novice. Um, you know, Uncle Mike has chosen to cut off his hair for, you know, certain personal preferences. He wanted to be more aerodynamic. And so he, he did that. Um, okay. So, so, you know, we, we find ourselves, you know, kind of on the outside looking in. And, and that's why we go to Roz. Like, she's our resident hair expert. And then you're her guru. So please en enlighten us. Okay. So the hair typing system was actually brought about by uh, Oprah's hairstylist, uh, blanking on his name right now but I'm sure I'll remember it at some point um and so hair typing just basically goes from like the straightest hair which is like a one and then the sort of kinkiest or coarsest hair which is our in in the four so you have like one a b and then you have two a b and you have three a b c and then you have four a b c four being four c being the coarsest hair um and it's also more wiry. There's there's basically no curls uh, if you have 4C hair and it's probably more prone to dryness. Now, when you're taking care of your hair, 
you knowing what kind of curls or kinks you have does nothing for you. It, it does nothing in terms of letting you know what ingredients work for you, what products work for you. It's just a divisive way of just like saying what's better. Well, it, it's come like that on YouTube now where um, the people that started the natural hair movement, which are people that had type four hair or have been sort of pushed out because everybody wants to see nice, pretty three, three type hair with nice long curls. It does nothing. Um, it does nothing for the person to learn about how to take care of their hair. It's just, I find it to be very divisive. I'm not into, into hair typing. So if uh, you want to, if I ask somebody about their hair, I want to know what kind of porosity their hair, which means um, how easy it is for the hair to absorb and let go of water or moisture and sort of how dense their hair is, like um, how fine the strands are, um, how much of it is on there? Do they have like low density hair? Means they don't have a whole bunch of hair on their head. Things like that will help you know what kind of products you need to use. Me knowing that you have coarse hair does nothing. So how, how am I supposed to figure out my hair? Did you, was it ferocity that you said? Ferocity. Ferocity. Oh, okay. Yes. Because Roz has ferocity. She has ferocious hair. <laughs> <laughs> she does. <laughs> how am I supposed to measure and, and, and find that out? Like, I, like um, now, now I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is much more scientific than I had bargained for. It, it actually is. Um, so, I mean, there's the easiest way for, for what I think is the best test is to literally wet your hair um, and see how long it takes for water to absorb in your hair. So is your hair instantly drenched or is it taking longer? Because yeah, your hair is going to feel wet. But like, it's not going to feel drenched. It's, it's taking very long for the water to actually drench your hair and get into your strands. Um, can you use cold water? Does cold water allow like absorb evil into easy, sorry, easily into your hair or not? So that's how you're going to know your porosity and also wait for it to dry. Did it take a day? Because my daughter's hair takes a day. Maybe a day? Even a day to dry. She has low porosity hair. So what it does she do? She just sits around all day? Um basically <laughs> oh my gosh oh man this okay. is so well, it, it, fascinating it just, means, yeah. it just means that i'm if she's gonna wear like what Ra, um Roz has in her hair is like a twist out so if she's gonna wear a twist out that means she cannot untwist it until it is dry because it's just then i've done work for no reason because it's not dry yet basically oh. or she could sit under a dryer but i don't like direct heat like that so we do the natural thing around here where Usually I do our hair on a weekend and it's just like, you don't have anywhere to go. We're in a panorama. So, yeah. <laughs> so tell me something. Have, oh, sorry, Jordan. No, I just no, associated a uh, hair type with like heat settings on uh, a straightener or a curling iron. And I didn't even know about this whole other element of like absor absorption of uh, moisture in your hair and you're, you're blowing my mind and now I have to go do like this whole other research because I'm like okay like because I just thought you know because I try not to put any heat products on my hair but you have color just, in your hair am I seeing color yes I do have color so you probably have high porosity hair because uh color is acidic so you might have high porosity the parts of your hair that are uh, very colored or might be high porosity that means that the cuticle is actually raised um, because in order for you to add color to your hair, they had they had to lift it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Google is going to expect me after this, <laughs> okay. after this podcast. So you know, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> we, we were all telling stories and trying to think of the, the worst types of haircuts that we've had or hair disasters. Um, El, what, what, what's the worst hair disaster that, that's happened to you? I think when I maybe was about 16 and I was super excited for the first time to get my hair flat ironed. I was like, yes. And then the hairdresser was like, oh, you know, we need to give you a trim. So I was like, okay, cool. I went from having about mid back length hair to having a bob because this lady gave me a haircut and not a trim. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And of course I paid for it and then cried and went home. Oh, because what was I supposed to say? I'm not going to pay you. I'm 16. So, <laughs> oh, and the word trim, it could mean a cut like there a trim, you know, loosely could yeah. be a cut. Oh, that's brutal. Rock, yeah. how about you? What was what's your your hair nightmare? Yes. Yeah, so when I was in, I think it was like grade five, I was really uncomfortable with my forehead. And so I asked my mom to give me some bangs. And so she blow dried my hair and then she gave me bangs while it was super fresh and so the bangs it, um for anyone that can't see my forehead is about 10 inches and so uh, the <laughs> okay I mean a little bit less than that but <laughs> the bangs when I went to school in the next day were probably covering about two inches of my forehead <laughs> which oh, is <laughs> less than half <laughs> and so those are my okay. bangs quite up here um, and oh I was loving it. I was like, yes, I, I, I look amazing. And then a few years later, I saw the pictures and I was like, oh my God, this was not cute. <laughs> <laughs> Ruby, how about you? What was your, what's your hair nightmare? What happened? Um, so this is, you know, I like going to the hair salon in moments where you feel like you need to get like a makeover and feel refreshed, like just something about getting your hair washed and done. It's just a whole other experience and mood. And I was in Walmart and the feeling just came and overtook me. And I'm like, you know what? How bad could it be? I'm just going to go in and I'm just going to tell her to give me a makeover. And I just, for some reason, was like, you know what? It can't be that bad. <laughs> it can't. I went in. So my hair was maybe just right above my waist. And I was like, yeah, really? like I'll go a little bit shorter. Above your waist? Waist? Yeah, just like just slightly above my waist. And wow. I went and I was like, she's like, well, if you want to cut your hair like a lot, we can donate your hair. I was like, yeah, that's a really good idea. But when she put the pony, like the hair uh, band on, I thought she was going to cut under the band. And then she cut maybe like an inch above the band. <laughs> and, and then she's like, I got your hair. And I was just like, so it went from, it, it was up to here. Like oh it went gosh. to my shoulder and I was just like, oh my God, you just cut off all my hair. And she's like, but it's for donation. And I was like, you're right. And I didn't know what to say. And I was like, you're right. Like, this is for charity. And I was like, my hair is fucking gone. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you can swear. Hey, hey, Ruby, guess what? It's, it's our podcast. So if you want to curse, you're allowed. Like we, we make the rules. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks. Although it is I know Mike can bleep me out after if it's, a, if it's an issue. Uh, it doesn't stop there because I also told her to dye my hair and I shown, gave her a picture of what I wanted. It was like this ashy brown blonde color. She did my hair and it was orange and she didn't tone it enough or properly. And then this is what she said to me. She's like, just tell your friends this is what you asked for. 
and I laughed. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I laughed and I was like, what the hell did I do to myself? Like, it was all my fault. I should have just, I don't know what I was, what I was thinking, but I had orange, I had an orange bob for a little bit. Wow. Do you have pictures? <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely yeah, going to have to go to the vault for those pictures. But okay. no. <laughs> so Uncle Mike, I, I know, you know, there was once upon a time where, you know, you weren't so obsessed with being aerodynamic and, you know, you, you had some beautiful locks. Um, well, you have to give us a hair story, Uncle Mike. Come on. Okay. So back in the day, so I grew up in the, in the 80s and went to high school in the 80s. And back then, you know, Michael Jackson was pretty popular. A lot of people had jerry curls. I had jerry curls. I had a nice jerry curl mullet, you could say. <laughs> <laughs> so I had the hair coming down the front. I had the sides slicked back. And then I had the hair going down the, down the back. It wasn't greasy. <laughs> but I did have, um, you know, my, my Jerry curl. I remember sitting in the, in the salon or even when my pet, my mom would do my hair and having that stuff bun my head. Remember, remember doing all that, especially the first day of going to school, you know, you get your hair done and, um, you know, you come to school with that, that new do with all the Jerry curls and curls going in. Right. So that, that, that's me. Not, not real, uh, Different. So so no no horror stories. You, everything's been smooth with, with, no, with, with uh, other than burning my scalp. Uh, that, that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> oh, well, Jordan, what about what about you? I'm pretty sure you have a story for us too. Um yeah. So okay. So my hair story revolves around um, barbers because you know you you form an intimate bond with your barber, and you know if your barber leaves or goes someplace or you know decides to pursue something else. Um, you know, that transition period where you're trying to like find a new barber is really tough. So that happened to me once when my barber, she, she went away and yes, it, she was a she and, um, you know, for years, uh, you know, shout outs to Connie. She cut my hair, kept me real nice and beautiful. Um, but you know, uh, my barber went to, to do some work overseas and uh, I was in this weird purgatory period where I was looking for a new barber. So the shop that we were at, you know, I decided to try another barber who was there, a newer lady. Um, I didn't want to discriminate because, um, you know, she was a lady and, uh, you know, my, my, my current barber at the time was a lady. So I'm like, you know what, I'll, I'll give her a shot. Um, you know, I talked to her. She told me that, uh, you know, she had experience cutting hair. The shop manager reassured me because they knew it was kind of a bit psycho about that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I let her give me a haircut and, um, you know, she gave me the cuts and, you know, Midway through, I just, I wasn't feeling it. Like something felt off, but I, I didn't want to be paranoid. So I, you know, I, I let it go on. And then it came time for her to give me the straight razor because, um, you know, I love the straight razor. And uh, she, she did the straight razor and it just became apparently clear that she, she didn't know what she was doing. And uh, to my horror, when the cut was complete, um, cut was not good. The, the lines were completely off like just off and uh, the razor, nah, like just nah. So I was mad. Um, I didn't want to freak out right then. And I felt kind of like really angry that the, the shop manager who knew I was so like dialed in about the haircut, like recommended this person who obviously couldn't get the job done, um, who's obviously overmatched. And you could tell when someone's cutting your hair when they're like nervous and 
Um, yeah, it just, it wasn't good. So I had to go to another shop, get my hair fixed. Um, I paid for it out of my pocket, which was also annoying. Um, but I, I didn't really have a choice. So yeah, that, that's my most recent horror story with my hair. Just not fun, but I'm in a much better place now. And, um, yeah, and you know, you got to put those things behind you and just move on. <laughs> <laughs> Could you tell when she was doing it that it wasn't going right? Yeah, just the, the vibe, like you could feel when the barber's in their bag and they're usually like cutting and like doing their thing and you can you can just tell it's going well. This one, it was like, it was too tentative. I'm like, if you know what you're doing, you shouldn't be like hesitating. And yeah, it was just, it was just no good. It was just a trash haircut. And I, I don't want I don't want to be experimented on. I'm like, I feel, I legitimately feel like she experimented on my body and I, I didn't like it. So <laughs> Oh man. So with that being said, um, we're going to move into our next uh, segment um, after a short break and we're going to dive into kind of the history around hair. Um, you know, we've got some, some questions around that and um, I know Elle, you're a subject matter expert, so you'll, you'll keep us right on point. Okay. Beautiful. Welcome back to Technically Diverse, our edition of All Things Hair. Uh, for this segment, we're going to be talking about the significance of hair in different cultures. This is one topic I feel like I have a little bit expertise in because in my culture, being from uh, from the Sikh faith, we don't cut our hair because it's something that's God-given. It's something that we're born naturally with. And we have this belief that if it's God-given, there's a spiritual power to it. There's a significance to it. Um, and there's other beliefs, like, you know, as, as people take on any kind of religion, they have their own uh, belief and they take on their own opinions and perceptions of it. Some people believe it's a way to harness energy. Some people believe that, you know, it's just written in our, in our texts and won't do it. But my belief is it is because it's God-given. And if you want to be connected, um, you know, you, you kind of escape that whole, um, attachment to worldly things and kind of escape the vanity of it all to keep your hair. And the other thing that's really cool about it is, uh, and we'll probably talk more about it in our Sikh Heritage Month, but being a Sikh and being, uh, it's called Amritari, it's when you become baptized and you represent the five Ks and the five Ks being Ges, which is hair, Ganga, which is a comb, uh, Kashara, which is a form of um, underwear, um, uh, a karda, which is a bangle, and a kirpan, which is a dagger that you have on yourself. Um, and all those elements are kind of written in as a Sikh identity. And it's very symbolic and it's important as who we represent um, to ourselves and to our communities. Well, I, I never knew about that super, like, really intertwined connection with hair. It, it, it seems like a really big part of your, of your culture. It is. And I know I've cut my hair, but I was going to ask that. Find, yeah. <laughs> so you're, <laughs> so, so you're, you're allowed also, to cut your hair. So I wouldn't, so growing up, there was this, uh, um, so a lot of kids were like, you're not allowed to cut your hair. You're not, you know, you can't cut your hair. And a lot of that ties into, you know, going into school and being with other kids and not, and I, I guess our parents not being able to teach us um, you know, coming here as first immigrants, holding on to the values and cultures of back home and not being able to kind of really articulate 
the value and the importance of our identity because going to school and then being harassed for having a long braid and you know my brother had a turban like kids would take off his turban and they take you know, off his turban they would take oh off his gosh. turban and it'd be and then he would come to me and I'd have to wrap it up for him again so there was a lot of traumatic experiences that you're oh, like man. I wish I was a white person I wish I could cut my hair mm. not and I, I shared with you guys like that time I just hacked my hair thinking I was gonna like style my hair in some which way but a lot has to do with it with you know kind of integrating to the society that we're in now and not having that fundamental understanding uh, of, of our belief and faith. And now as, I got, as I've gotten uh, older and I've kind of diving deeply into my faith, I'm understanding the spiritualness of it. I'm, it's not so rigid, it's not about rules. I think once you embrace the philosophies and principles of the faith, you naturally start becoming more inclined to not want to do, to want to cut your hair or do any of that stuff. So it's, it's not a hard rule that, you know, you can't or cannot, but I think once people embrace the faith, they naturally are inclined to want to be as they were, as they were born. So they can focus on ultimately service of others. And when you start focusing on the service of others, you stop reflecting on, oh my God, what's my hair color like today? I need to go for, you know, it just, it just, it's a progression away from it, if that makes sense. It, it, it totally does. And I, I, you mentioned that discovery point there. And it sounded kind of like when Roz mentioned that, you know, she discovered that she didn't want to straighten her hair anymore to kind of fit in with what the, with the, the pre-described notion of um, professionalism was. Yeah. And I think, and I think as a kid and even like, you know, going into the workplace, you know, you have to have a kind of a professional hairstyle. I couldn't imagine embracing my long braid and understanding the significance of that like I wish I had the power back then or the pride back then to be like this is my hair it's long it's braided and I'm representing and now learning about it now I'm like wow like and seeing other people like it's so cool to see other people now um, have the long hair and not feel ashamed to have long hair because I would be made fun of for having hair that went up to my butt and it's just like, now I see a lot of people in the media with long hair and it's, and, and now you see extensions, people putting in extensions yeah, for long hair. To get that like, look. Like below the butt, like long, like just, it's just insane. So that kind of triggers me to like, wow, now it's so acceptable. And I wish it was like that for me when I was younger. Do, do you see similarities in any other cultures? Yeah, so the interesting thing was like when I started like looking into like, is it only in the Sikh faith or and I, I used to like watch documentaries as well. But what's really cool is there's so many cultures around the world that believe in keeping their hair as is as like, as it's been given God given and not cutting it. Because that element of the connection to energy, the element of the connection to or not the connection to but that belief of not being so attached to to the vanity aspect of it so i was looking into indigenous indigenous communities and different tribes and their belief in keeping long hair and it's rooted in again in the energy source and um an interesting thing that i like um discovered is you know when indigenous people of different tribes and not all tribes i don't think do this but when they cut their hair they don't just throw their hair away they do a ceremony um, and 
some people in, in the Sikh faith, actually, when they comb their hair, they keep the hair and they do a ceremony of um, the word is I'm trying to remember the word in my in my language and it's not coming to mind, but it's essentially kind of burning your hair and giving it a certain ritual to to kind of say bye to it instead of discarding it into the into the bin. Um, but there's communities in like Asian Chinese, uh, there's a tribe called the, the Yao tribe. And these women keep their hair long and they only cut their hair right before marriage. But after that, they never cut their hair. And it's, it's uh, a tribe, it's considered to have like the longest hair in the world of all communities. Um, and the, the base of fundamental belief in that is it's going to bring prosperity and longevity if uh, they maintain their hair. So it's really cool to see how different area cultures and communities around the world have this fundamental belief of the energy source that hair has and not to cut it. That, that kind of reminds me of um, Rastafarian culture. Um, and Elle, have, have you, have you, do you see that similarity too with you know, wanting to preserve long hair with, with Rastafarian culture? I know um, when I grew up, I was told to not um, put my hair in the bin. I know that's the thing um, in Grenadian oh, culture yeah. where you weren't, you don't put your hair in the bin, you keep it and put it in a, it's called a, we call it the fig tree, but it's a green banana tree. And you would put it in the stool of that. Um, also like for the tree to grow. And that means your, means your hair is going to grow along with the tree. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> I know, um, and I, I know, and my, I had, my uncle was a Rasa, he's not anymore. And that was a big thing um, following Samson in the Bible where you did not, cutting hair was like not a thing. Like you, you don't ever cut your hair, not even to trim it. So he had really, really long locks that he would, it was, he would tie it up so he wouldn't walk on it. So I know not cutting your hair um, from Rasta, from a, a Rastafarian point of view is, is heavily tied with like the story of Samson, it's your strength. Um, growing from your head so you never you never it's like your strength your knowledge you never cut your hair wow wow it's yeah. it's it's funny how there's all these different cultures and you know our our pod you know we really explore cultural diversity but it's cool to see these themes that are kind of woven across and you you think about how different you know the the cultures can be but how these similarities are still ingrained there from um from from this hair perspective which is just super interesting because it would be so easy to kind of overlook. Of course, like I, I see what, as she was telling the story of like the, the Yao woman in China, it just reminds me of how rice water in the natural hair community was like a big thing. And it came from the Yao woman in China. They use rice water to grow their hair really long. And um, just during this pandemic time, um, if you Google rice water on like YouTube and natural hair, like that's a big thing, like using fermented rice um, to like actually grow your hair really long so it's just interesting how like um we've sort of now like natural hair community has sort of mixed all these different cultures I'm not sure if people know where it's coming from but you know while ruby was talking i was like oh well okay cool that's that's where that's from yeah um, and i know I, sorry sorry go on now i was gonna say um, um women in chad actually use this powder called chebe to grow their hair really long where they just sort of plaster their hair. They make a paste out of this powder and sort of plaster it onto their hair um, to preserve it and grow it. And they do that until that, again, when, until they're married. Yeah, no, what I was gonna say is, you know, you brought up uh, Rastafarian hair, but um, 
I come to India often, and one of my observations was there is, um, you would consider him a yogi or a swami, and he had hair similar to a Rastafarian, uh, like dreads and everything. And I was really, because I just assumed it was usually Black people, African or Caribbean culture. So when I saw that, I started looking into it, and, and it was just the same elements of why they keep their hair long. It's rooted in the strength and the energy that they that they have in their hair it's kind of they believe it's like an uprooting of a tree the roots of a tree yeah that's kind of stemming out so it's interesting to kind of see the correlation across the globe and the belief systems of individuals it also goes to show that we're all sort of I mean I know this is cliche just like one people I mean a lot of our stories are they might have different twist and turns but they're pretty much very similar origin stories so it's not it's it's surprising but also like yeah I figured that kind of thing so you know I'm glad that you you brought this up because you know one thing that kind of trips me up and you know I, I think it's kind of a sticking point now is like El, what is natural hair like what is the definition of natural hair <laughs> so natural hair is just to me because it's different for everybody um, to me, it's just hair that has not had a relaxer. Now, some people would say you have not, you might have natural hair. And if you have, uh, if you've colored it, you've added chemicals. So it's not natural anymore. Um, and I just think that's just like cherry picking. If you do not have a relaxer, your hair is growing naturally how it would out of your hair. That is your natural hair. So if it's naturally straight, it's natural hair, whether you've added color or anything like that to it, it's all just natural hair. Even though, I mean, I know some people would be like, no, if you add any chemical, it's not natural hair, but that's not what it is to me. And, and then, so why, why has there always been this like discrimination and you know, around natural hair? Like, like I've, I've heard that there's links to colonialism, you know, Roz has put me up with some of that stuff. Like what, what, what's all, what's that all about? Um, it's more like, we've been taught as uh, a black people that our hair from the beginning, we were, we had to wear coverings when um, we were enslaved that are, there was something wrong with our hair. I believe like the seventies is the, really the only era that I see that people wore like loud and proud afros. Um, Greer, my just, girl, Pam Greer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like just looking throughout, like if you sort of like just do a little bit of research on like black hairstyles throughout the 70s seems to be the only time where people actually didn't chemically process their hair. It's like we've been taught that this beautiful crown of head that grows out of our hair, like it, it's not, it's not good enough. It has to be sort of like put straight. It has to be tamed. Um, look at the Gorilla Girl, in, uh, like um, Gorilla Girl. Let me stop on her Gorilla Girl. <laughs> gorilla glue girl um like she literally to get her hair slicked she put gorilla glue in her hair like why that, that did was you so think, stupid yeah why did you think your ponytail needed to be that slicked back that you you put gorilla glue in it and you yeah. thought that was okay um so it's it's just this notion that literally has just been passed on and on and on um i don't like us as like millennials, why are we still, why do we still care? Our hair has to be respectable and presentable. And what does that mean? Um, so it just seems like it's been passed on to us that we need to tame our hair. And it has to look a certain way for it to be deemed um, respectable. It even has to be a certain texture. 
That's why I don't like the hair typing system. For uh, it to be, that's why you got so passionate about it. Yeah, because for it to be like respectable, why does it need to look a certain way? Um, and I find that like I cover my hair because I have the 3B curls and I, I don't, I, oh, your hair, you have good hair. What does that mean? What is <laughs> yeah, good hair? We've heard, we've heard that statement, good hair before. Ross, yeah, I know like, you're pretty is, fiery about that. <laughs> what is good hair? Um, and like, the, like my daughter will be like, oh, how come I don't have hair like you? I'm like, you do have hair like me. It's just, it's just a little bit different, but you have way, the things that you do with your hair, I wish I could do with this, what I have in my head. Like, you know, so I tend to like, people come up to me, like touch my hair. Oh, what do you do to your hair? Nothing. <laughs> what do you have in it? It's just water. Um, or like the, the trend where people are, like forcing themselves to have baby hair where they'll like pull out a whole bunch of hair. It's just like, girl, that is not baby hair. That is adult hair. Please call me back. <laughs> so you, you, you don't want to see the tracks laid down. You, you don't, you don't like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I, I think I would just want, want to add on to that. Um, in, in terms of people starting to wear like Afros in like the sixties and seventies, uh, a big part of that was really just realizing that even though we were trying to assimilate and, and be seen as equals to, to, to white people, like being told that, that like black people are inferior and look, these are the differences between black people and, and, and white people. Their, their hair is kinky like animals or their, their, their bodies are different and, and being like put on display for having like big butts or, or whatever else it is. It's, it's that black people decided, okay, well, if I make my hair straight, then I'm equal. You can see me as a human being and understand that I know I'm not inferior. And, and so the 60s, 70s, like Angela Davis, civil, civil rights movement and everything else in the US, it's, it's realizing that you're still not seeing me as equal. Screw it. I'm going to wear my hair as big as I want to and the way that it grows. And, and so like, that's it. Yeah. Ruby, I know you wanted to jump in there. So the power finger up. Yeah, so I actually wanted you to take me back to the comment about the Gorilla Glue girl. Yeah. Like, what is that and who <laughs> is that? Okay, so um, usually, so I'll, I'll sort of start from the beginning. So usually when um, most women are doing like a sleek ponytail, um, and if your hair isn't chemically straightened, it's quite hard for curly hair to give like this really sleek look, especially if you want to add like this straight ponytail. It's going to look like two different textures. It's going to look terrible. So people usually add something called Gorilla Snot. To what is hair, that? Is like, gorilla it's a, Snot? It's an extremely chemical, disgusting, nasty, I would not recommend type of gel, basically. Um, and it really like slicks your hair back, sort of makes it look like a helmet um, so that it matches... <laughs> It sort of matches with like this ponytail that you have going on. So she ran out of Gorilla Snot and she thought that it would be a good idea to use Gorilla Glue because she was only going to use it for a couple of hours and she could come home and she could wash it off and, you know, her hair would look very much snatched and it would snatch. What does snatched mean? <laughs> like you gotta you gotta you gotta break down these terms for our audience you're just you're using so many you know um, industry it just terms. means like it will your your audience knows what snatch means it just means that it, it looks great it looks and it's awesome. not an industry term jordan <laughs> well i i had no idea maybe i'm out of touch snatch yeah like, so i can i can go to roz and be like yo roz your hair is looking snatched right now i can say that without being in any trouble 
I don't know how Roslyn would feel about that, but I mean, that's, that's how you want to use it. Yo, Uncle Mike, <laughs> Uncle Mike, call your call your wife just now and be like, "Hey, your honey, your hair looks snatched. Like, try try that one out and see if you don't get in any trouble." No, nah, man. Um, we're we're older. Those words, I don't know about them words. <laughs> I'll just pass on it. <laughs> so that she looks beautiful. <laughs> stick yeah. with the words that you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, stick to what I know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so she put gorilla glue in her hair which we all know is used for like it's chemical yeah for like you know it's an industrial chemical in the house exactly um and so (laughs) after about a month she still had the same ponytail because it would not wash out her hair was literally like a helmet it would not wash out and she went to the internet to ask for help please help me because i can't get the solvent that i've put sprayed (laughs) on my hair Um, so she ended up going to LA where, um, this, um, Ghanaian doctor who does like plastic surgery and stuff. He's a chemist. He helped her out. He made this solution for her hair and now her hair is, yeah, it's fine. But I mean, it's just ridiculous. You wanted your hair to be that, like, it just had to be with no curls. No, it it was that serious that you put a chemical solvent in your hair. Why? Why was it that serious? Ridiculous. Like that is. is crazy. Um, it sounded like she could have used some support from Roz because, you know, <laughs> last night I was able to utilize some help from Roz. Um, and, you know, I'm going to open up about my hair journey now because I needed some help and I didn't know what to do. Um, you know, I always get fresh haircuts, but, you know, the pandemic kind of slowed things down and I wasn't able to get access. Um, however, I went to our resident hair care expert, Roz, and she put me up on a line of amazing products. Um, and those products were mailed to me from the U.S., and they finally arrived last week, so I was super excited to get everything together. I went out and got a new do-rag. Um, you know, everything came together, and, and last night was the was the, the big kickoff, so Roz helped me um, via video chat to um, apply all these new hair care products. Um, I did so while in the shower, and I filmed it, and um, you know what? Oh, awesome. I, had, I had some clothing on, but Roz wait, was wait, there wait, the wait, whole wait. time. Roz was there to handhold me the whole time and just give me that support and she came up with a, a nice routine for me and we implemented it and today my hair is feeling really good really fresh um so first off Roz I want to I want to thank you for 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 that support um it was a little weird when my wife walked into the bathroom and thought that I was filming some sort of adult video um I neglected to tell her that this would be happening so she came in and she's like hey like what's going on here and I was like hey you know Roz is helping me with this hair care routine it was all in my hair it was all for me yes (laughs) yeah and then to prove it to prove it I made sure to turn the camera around so she could see that there was nothing sinister happening but um, I've learned my lesson that when getting hair support from Roz, you should probably tell your significant other. It's, it's probably yeah. a good idea. <laughs> so you have like a whole natural hair care regimen now? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I, I'd say my favorite part was probably the shampoo bar. Um, I used the shampoo bar. I got a really good lather. I, I could not believe it. I'm like, why doesn't all shampoo come in a bar? Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I feel really good. I, I, I finally smell like a black woman. Like I, 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 I smell great. Um, I, yeah, like I, I, I want my auntie to smell me cause I probably smell like one of my aunties right now. And it, that's fine. That's fantastic. Um, I feel kind of complete and I'm wearing my Jamaica, um, you know, shirt today. So I'm just, I'm in a good groove. Come on, call awesome. your auntie Judith. <laughs> <laughs> 
Can I ask what you used? Um, so this was from a company called Main Crush. Oh, Roslyn, you put yes. it on to Main Crush. Yes. Oh. On. I put you on. <laughs> this is how we do this. <laughs> and I, I think that's kind of like the, the beauty of, of, you know, how things have come today. Because, you know, I, I think back, I'm like, where would I ever have gotten this information from? Like, it's not like I can just walk into the store and look on the shelves because, like, you know, near my house, there's very few stores that have black hair care products. So I was literally lost. Like I didn't know what to use. Right. And I think it's cool that, you know, you know, word of mouth can spread about these products and I can get put up on something like that and be able to like utilize the internet because in the past I, I might not have had access to, to black hair care products from anywhere else from either it being locally um, or it coming from a larger, like a name, like a big producer. But now I can go right to the source and get it from, you know, smaller entrepreneurs that um, are yep. using all natural stuff. Like I don't, I can turn around the backs of the products and see what's inside them. I don't feel like intimidated when I see that they're natural ingredients. And, um, you know, in, 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 I feel more comfortable and I know that I'm not doing anything that's going to harm myself because, you know, we, we told stories about hair care disasters and like nobody wants to put anything weird in their hair at home and see something go wrong. Like I'm, I saw that gorilla girl chick. I'm not, I'm not trying to be like her. So <laughs> really, really, really happy for the love. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, honestly, like even when you do go into a store that sort of caters to black hair, um, it's not run by black people. They have black people working there um, that also they don't seem to know a lot about what products they have in the store. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you were able to just go onto the internet and find something by an actual like black woman owned small company to help you out with your hair. Yeah. I, I, I think that a big thing too, is like, even if you were to go into like Walmart where they do have some products that yeah. are for black hair, there's, they're not the products that are natural, usually, first of all, like they're ones that are, that are full of really bad chemicals and, and things that are actually bad for your hair. Um, that's like a whole thing. And then the other thing is that our products are typically locked. I've, I've even saw a video yesterday where it was, I think it was like concealer. And so the, the light colors were unlocked and there weren't any security. Tags. Of course. And then you get to like, darker colors and those ones have like security tags and they're locked in and you wouldn't be able to access them um like the first time I went to Walmart looking for hair care stuff I saw that it was locked and I was like and and I googled it and I, I saw that the statistically speaking white hair products are stolen much more than black hair products so but, then why would why would they lock up the black hair care products if statistics showed otherwise Rod? because we're know. thieves Oh, I, we, that's it. We don't we have any money. Thieves. We must be thieves. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. All right. That makes no sense, but that's fine. It doesn't make any sense, but they, they always do it or, or it's just ridiculously expensive. And I'm just like, why am I looking at this little container paying all of this money for this product that you didn't probably pay a lot to get for? Why, why is it's locked, first of all, so I have to come and ask you about it. Um, and if I don't really know about it, I can't really ask you those questions because the person that's probably unlocking it doesn't know too of much course. about it. And then I can't afford it on top of that. So it's just all unaccessible to me. Or the cheaper ones have really bad chemicals and those are the ones that I have to put in my head. 
why I, it just none of it makes any sense but it's gotten a lot better but not too much you have companies like uh shame moisture who they sort of uh once they became mainstream because they started off just with a small brand catering to black women um and we loved them because they were sort of the only thing around they got into bigger stores like walmart etc and said bye you guys made us but we're going to change our formulas and we don't care about your hair anymore. Figure it out, sis. <laughs> yeah. And these are happening a lot. When, when corporations realize that the black hair care industry was like, I don't know how many billions of dollars it is. I can't remember the exact number. I think it's like 500 billion or five, five million. I, I can't remember, but we um, spend a lot of money on hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so once, once corporations realized that it was so profitable, they did like that's when white people stepped in and they decided that we're going to buy this brand or, or we're going to be start investing in this brand. And you can honestly see a difference in the product when it was just black owned versus when white people started investing in it. And then you see that chemicals are added. You see that that the effects on your hair, typically it ends up end up it ends up becoming worse and, and things like that happening. What's up, what do you think helped make it mainstream? Was it things like Chris Rock's movie or his documentary, Good Hair? Um, I know in that documentary, they had um, prices of things and how much people pay for their hair. Um, they had they talked to people that were not people of color and they talked about how, how much they paid for their hair. Then they talked to a black woman and how much they paid for a wig or for a weave. And then, you know, from the, differences from what they were interviewing the people you can see the price discrepancy on on everything um do you think that was a point where people jumped on or companies jumped on and said hey let's get on this bandwagon because we can make some black money i mean it might have played a small part of it but to me um the natural hair community on youtube um is really what started people paying more attention to natural hair because people were actually looking that up researching it and sort of like women were not wanting their hair to look straight anymore. It just wasn't happening. Um, it's also one of the reasons why uh, Chris Rock made good hair. Um, so to me, it started off um, the natural hair community on YouTube. I'm gonna give those women all of their things, all of their props, um, because most when I talk to people, that's where they sort of learned about natural hair and companies like pay well, no, I was going to lie and say companies pay natural hair YouTubers a lot of money, but they don't. <laughs> they sort of hijacked um, the community and, and they, 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 they don't. They used to um, pay attention to more of the natural hair community. But once it got popular um, with like people showing their hair on like social media, Instagram, YouTube, um, they sort of like hijacked it. So good hair did help, but um, to me, it's it wasn't the main point of reference. It was it was kind of in the making, and this yeah. this brings another uh, theme that we've explored, where uh, you know companies are leveraging social media now to to get involved, and uh, you know using social media to kind of shape narratives. So um, again, uh, super super interesting. Uh, yeah, Roz, by all means. Um, I I think that there's also a great thing where we are also able to bring to light what, what's happening behind the scenes where influencers can say that this company, they, they're not paying me. And, and uh, I used to say how great their products were, but there's been a difference now in the product and it actually sucks. You should not use it. 
or yeah. this company pays me $300 per post, but they're paying these white girls with less, or I, I, I don't want to target white people only, but they're paying these white girls with less followers than me and less influences $500 per post. And mm -hmm. that is unfair. And so we're able to see a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes and realize, you know what, I'm not going to support this company because they're not supporting us. Exactly. And if you go on YouTube now, you'll sort of see a shift in people not putting the names of their products in their video titles. They'll probably like hashtag it so that when you do um, look it up that it's there, but they don't, they stopped paying them because they didn't, they wanted a certain type of look and it all sort of, uh, it became sort of whitewashed for lack of a better word, because it's, they're not necessarily using white women. They're just using women that are racially ambiguous with hair that more people covet um, to market their products now. And it's not working for somebody that has a, um, a kinkier texture. And I know that's kind of rich coming from me because I don't have a kinkier texture, but um, it affects my child who does have a kinkier texture. So I sort of pay attention uh, to things like that a little bit more. Natural hair YouTube is a whole rabbit hole. Yeah, I had no idea this stuff was going on. And like being a guy, you know, it's a little more simple. Like the, the, the barbershop is kind of the spot where, you know, we would get together to kind of discuss that. I had no idea, um, you know, the, the YouTube world was, was kind of like that. Um, but it's it's been a real eye opener to kind of step back and and see this whole other world. If you even look on like places like Instagram and you look at natural hair, if you even Google natural like maybe type four hair, the images that will come up first are definitely people that do not have type four hair. So people are now even confused if they don't know what does type four hair look like, because if you Google it, Ros I think Roslyn's doing it right now. <laughs> what what it, it doesn't um it that's not what what comes up is definitely type three hair so people are now even confused <laughs> the whole hair typing system just saying it's gotta go right which is why you said it was just it was garbage before <laughs> yeah it was it's very divisive it, it, it's, it's gotta go it's just made something that was started to be so beautiful and helpful it just kind of turned it ugly yeah also so nobody's spending a whole day in the hair salon anymore that's oh really? Because I no. I hated that part. Like <laughs> no. I, I I I'd never go to the hair salon again with my mom or or anybody else, um, just because of the weight. I remember being hair salons are so boring. Like just even thinking about it, I'm remembering past trauma of being trapped in a hair salon as a little boy, and there's all these women talking about stuff that I have no idea about, and the magazines were always so terrible. Oh, it's just <laughs> I, I can't even go oh i don't want what to. are you even complaining about jordan when i when i was getting my hair like cut like low and i had to go to the barbershop i would have to spend even more more time sitting waiting for all of the other men to go first than it takes to cut my hair like a barbershop hey, that's that's just that's part of the game at the barbershop you know you should show up early i know you like to sleep yeah. up in bed and on saturday morning so there's no way you're gonna get in line for a cut <laughs> barbershop for a young male is a rite of passing yeah. So my son, I, 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 I always used to cut his hair when he was younger. And then when he got a little bit older where he would understand and, and enjoy going to the barbershop, yeah. I'd take it to my, my friend's shop. He has a shop in Brampton called Blade Runners. Shout out to Layton. And um, every, every 
few weeks, I would take my son over to the to the barbershop where he gets that experience. He hears people talking about different things. Um, I remember when I was going to, to the barbershop, you know, back in the day when I cut off the Jerry curls and had a nice fade going. Um, I used to leave Malton and go all the way downtown to Lloyd's barbershop. Yes, Lloyd's. Me and my friends, we, we would we would just we would drive down after school, sit there for hours because we had to get wait our wait our turn. Right. So wow. The, that's a right yeah path, you know what I mean like yeah. they, they, there's there's changes now obviously I've seen I've seen a lot of the changes with technology with them doing online bookings like even my son does online bookings for the haircuts that he has when he has a little barbershop in the, in the in the basement but it it's it's still a rite of passing when when you have to get through you know you see the old heads talking about shit <laughs> <laughs> I think if you're a barber today and you don't have an online booking app, you're you're probably still operating with rubbing sticks together. Um, people's oh time God. is super. No, it's like honestly, like I I'm with a, a barber now. Uh, shout out to Shaq, a cryptomaniac here in Whitby. Um, but Shaq uses online booking, and it, it helps me because if I have to get a cut, uh, you know, while at in between work meetings, it allows it to actually be a. a in stone time versus walking in and having to just like first come first serve wait um it it it, it definitely definitely makes things smoother um and you know can prevent raza situation where you're, you're waiting a long time so um yeah like the barbershop like mike you said a rite of passage you know you you, you look forward to it um you know you, you go to the shop I, i've been at the shop before and a guy's come in and he's getting a cut and you know it made me laugh he's, he's explaining his relationship problems out loud to the barber but we're all in there and we're, we're there. We're able to coach each other. Hey man, like you, you shouldn't do that. Like try this instead. And, you know, coach each other through that in this kind of communal moment in the shop, you know, and then there's like a soccer game going on in the background and like music playing. And it's just, it's good times all around. So, you know, I, I look forward to haircuts and, and even the relationship that you build with, you know, your barber, like it, it goes beyond just a simple cut. It's almost like, you're, you're meeting with a psychologist to like, you know, or a counselor to, to talk about life. And um, it goes much, much beyond, beyond that. So um, it's super special. And uh, sorry, Russ, I, I know I, I almost cut you there. You want to jump in? Oh, yeah. So even just like what you're saying on being able to talk to your barber openly, um, there, there are a few programs that are out right now. There are some that are like 12 month programs um, or, or even shorter where they are teaching barbers how to recognize mental illness um, and issues with mental health and then providing them with some tools for how to actually support their clients even further. Um, oh, that's incredible. Yeah. So, you know, mental health is like very stigmatized, I think, in the black community, um, but also in there's also the perception that people have of black men being like stoic and and not being vulnerable and being aggressive and all of these things. And that can make it really hard, I think, to reach out for mental health. Uh, but your barber who you see every week or every couple of weeks, like you talk to him like regular. And, and so you're able to have those open and honest conversations. And if he's trained, then he's able to provide you with better guidance and, and, and really support you. And so, yeah, what's up Ruby? Um, I think there's also programs in place to recognize abuse. Um, so for, for females in particular, um, I was reading something about um, having a similar program, but to recognize uh, physical uh, sexual abuse and just the conversations that some of the clients would be having. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Like the more people, the more people that, that are prepared and, and understanding of what's happening and, and have training to support you, the better. <laughs> and when you think about it, it's an awesome idea because the person that you sit with that is doing this intimate service with, with your hair, your crown, is the person that you tell all your business to. <laughs> so that makes sense. <laughs> so, you know, Ruby, you touched on hair coverings earlier with, with turbans. You know, Elle, you've got a beautiful, you know, hair wrap right now of that very aggressive knot that is not going to come undone. <laughs> It's no. very secure. Um, you know, Roz, uh, you know, I've seen her bonnet last night. I got a really good uh, peek at her, her bonnet. It's very stylish. Um, you know, I, it's a shame that, you know, she wears it only to bed. She could probably wear it out and about and uh, look fine. No. Um, Roslyn, don't. Very ghetto. I will not. <laughs> I have to can bring... say what he wants. I appreciate the compliment. You know it's not going to happen. <laughs> I, you know, I, I got to try. Uh, I had to bring back the, the do-rag. Um, you know, to, to make sure things were staying nice and, and, and tightened the way they're supposed to be. But, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts? What are the best hair coverings? Does it have to be silky? Um, preferably because things that are cotton will suck all the moisture out of your hair. And if you have uh, textured hair, you don't want moisture leaving your hair. It's just going to make your style fail. It's not going to look good. So I have a nice other thing underneath this that is silky. And then I put this wrap just to keep my hair, you know, moisturized and looking lush. So silk sort of materials, satin materials is always best to cover your hair with. Um, and just also if you're lazy like me and didn't want to undo your twist, it makes you look like, you know, you do, you've done something. <laughs> Ruby, what, 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 what material are turbans made out of? Like I've, I've always been interested because like I've seen different turbans and they look like they're different materials, but I never knew. And like, I quite frankly, like was a little scared to ask. Um, don't be scared. It's just fabric. Uh, <laughs> so the fabric is usually cotton and there's different types of cotton, like the, the texture of the cotton, the thickness of the cotton. Um, and there's different things people do with the, with the fabric as well. Like my grandfather used to put starch on it to make it really stiff. So he'd have a very shaped, uh, clean, crisp, like fold when he did his turban. My dad doesn't, he likes to just free for all and just do his thing, but it's, it's usually cotton. It's very breathable. Um, and the length of it can be uh, five to seven meters, depending on, or even shorter actually, depending on how how much of a turban you want to kind of how many layers of a turban you want or how minimalistic of a turban turban you want. So like my- You can have a minimalistic brother, turban? Yeah, so like, it's just, you know, my younger brother has uh, what you would call like a gold bug. And it's more of a shape of like, it's just around, like a jagmeet type of turban. It's, okay. you know, kind of round and kind of goes up. And then the type my dad would have, we sometimes call it like the boat shape, which is like the triangular, triangular so, shape of it. So these are, these are terms I can use. Like, I'm not going to get in trouble for calling it a boat shaped turban. Like I'm, I'm allowed to say that. Well, I don't, I don't actually, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't do it. <laughs> we just hear a terrible oh, story of, of Jordan getting boxed by a seatbelt. <laughs> yeah, for real. Just say nice turban. I think you'll, you'll be safe on that. But even like the the different regions, like a Kenyan turban or a lot of people in the UK, the styles of turban, I would say they're more simplistic and smaller turbans. Um, 
but yeah, like it's just fascinating. Like I've like started to learn more about turbines and the layers of turbines. Um, and it doesn't have to, and people often ask, well, does it, can it be any color? It is your part of your attire. It's a part of your look. It could be any color you want. I'd be matching uh, that wow. to my clothes all yeah. the time. Any I, color I'd you want. I probably have a lot of turbans. I know one yeah, dude and, and that I, matches it to his shoes. Yeah. Really? It's cool. Yeah. Pocket wow. square. <laughs> uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Jordan had the pleasure of hosting a, a talk with Jagmeet, and he was just fangirling the entire time. He was like, oh my God, yeah, I love the way you dress. I love that your pocket square matches your turban and just fangirling. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a devil in the details type of person. And I, I like when men uh, show out in fashion. Uh, I feel like as a, as a man, you know, there's a certain stigma to a well-dressed man. Um, but uh, I feel that when men can kind of show out and show that, hey, you know what, I can style myself properly. You know, it's not my significant other or somebody else working in the background. Um, I think that's a great sign of strength. Um, and I know that when I get dressed up, I, I really take pride in, in, you know, doing those little devil in detail things, especially with pocket squares. I mean, if you're a guy and you're rocking a suit and you don't got a pocket square these days, got to step your game up. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, matching it to the turban, that's next level. That's next level attention to detail. That's awesome to see. And I wasn't fangirling. Oh, okay. I might've been fawning a little bit. I might've like fawning okay. just a little bit, but. Um, but I, I wanna quickly close off on the Indian hair trade because I know that that feeds the hair care, uh, sorry, the hair industry um, in terms yeah. of being able to, to get hair from hair stores. Uh, I know you mentioned, Elle, that, you know, hair stores are typically run by people that don't look like us. Um, you know, they employ people that look like us, but they're not ran by people like us. I, I, I saw an interesting documentary. I, I, I believe it was in Good Hair, too, that they had it, where um, they kind of shone some light onto the, the hair industry um, in the Indian hair trade. And it was interesting to find out that, you know, the hair that are used by a lot of people that look like us doesn't actually come from, you know, the same... I'd say nationality. So yeah, Ruby, I know, I know you've got a lot of inside information. Maybe you and Elle can uh, jump in and, sh and shed some light. It's just interesting to think about, because going back to my whole uh, conversation earlier on, seeing people with long extensions, and I was like, what the hell? Like, what? I used to think when I was a kid, I'm like, but what if I cut my hair and just put in extensions and nobody would know that I cut my hair? But looking at where extensions come from and it's a whole, it's a huge industry. Like I think I was looking at the numbers, it's like $400 million a year. And one temple can make, like I wrote it down. I think they, they have three tons of hair that they uh, ship per year. And it's like millions of dollars. Three oh tons? Three oh tons. Gosh. Just one temple, just one temple. So the hair industry predominantly where it comes from in India is uh, in the South, there's so people of the Hindu faith, they'll have, you know, they'll they'll ask for something like a prayer for a, they want a kid or a, like some sort of sacrifice they want to do. Okay. Uh, widows, when they when they become widows, they, they have to shave their head. So that hair is almost a, a passage, a sacrificial passage to kind of get their prayers answered. So a lot of people would go to a temple in one of these areas in the south predominantly and have their head shaved 
Um, so back in the sixth, like usually what they would do with the hair is either they would let the hair just float in the river. So it's like a lot of hair uh, or it was it was just it was burnt. Um, so I guess like back in the 60s or 70s when wigs and weaves became became more of a prominent thing, um, individuals figured out, hey, why don't I just take the, the hair that's being shaven and start selling that? Um, and now it's become this massive industry where women, mostly women, uh, sell their hair to make a living to, and it's poor women. Uh, so they don't even need to be going to the temples for a prayer or have to be a widow, but just shaving their head to sell their, sell their, sell their hair. But imagine the money the temples are making, because it's not any, like if I was to go to a temple right now to do a prayer and have my head shaved, I'm not getting any money for it. That Boy, what do you mean? It's your hair. hair. Yeah, but you're doing it for your own prayers and your own kind of sex. So oh. that hair is then sent to, like, imagine the money that's being made by the people that are collecting the hair. And they're getting free hair. Yeah, there's like yeah. no capital, like no, nothing. Free hair. And I just like $400 million industry, like per wow. year. And one wow. temple I was reading, and this temple that I was reading about is one of the smaller temples. And they do three tons of hair. And they have factories that are set up so there's two types of hair. One's called Remy hair, one's non-Remy hair. So Remy hair is the shaved hair. So it's just like taking my full, like how that lady took my ponytail, that's Remy hair. Un-Remy hair is like if I was to comb my hair and the hair that's come out from just brushing my hair out. And then there's factories that are just set up to sort your hair out. Um, and Remy hair is more expensive because it's not brushed out hair, I guess. But it's not shed hair, which is it's not shed hair. That's yeah. yeah. So it's just crazy. Some yeah. of the science and behind some of this stuff is unreal. Like the things that you just walk down the street, like I'm gonna be looking at anybody's hair with extensions now and be like, oh, I wonder where that came from. Well, well I was tell. like, my... oh sorry, yeah. I'm gone. I was just I was just telling, <laughs> I was just saying, like, if you can tell that it's that it's not extensions because that's the point right for it to look yeah. like yeah. it grew out of your head yeah well the other thing because going back to jordan's point about the the type of hair like because i i was reading that they were trying to dye the hair blonde to sell it to the european nations but yeah. then there's also prominently a lot of demand in north american uh markets for for black hair and then the other interesting thing I was reading about in, in an Orthodox Jewish uh, community, um, women shave their heads when they get married and then they have, they wear wigs. So there was a huge industry in, in, in wig making in that, um, in that community where the Jewish community actually went to see if it was kosher, the hair, and they determined it wasn't because- wow because the link to the hair being shaved at temples. Like it was just so fascinating. Wow. Uh, oh my goodness. I yeah. did not know so, that. <laughs> yeah, so, so now I don't think they deal with Indian hair anymore. So I don't know where they're getting their hair, but China is another uh, industry, uh, another market that does hair, but apparently the quality isn't as good. And Myanmar, if I'm saying it correctly, is another, another region, but it's a whole other fascinating world that I just never thought one, one, one could say maybe that the situation has become hairy. <laughs> yes, George. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I finally, I finally got off a dad joke, Mike. Did you? Did, did oh, that yeah. was, was that a good dad joke? I finally got it off. I'm really, I'm very pleased. Yeah, a good dad joke is a bad joke. Oh, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Oh my gosh. So, so I want quite. So go ahead. I was gonna say a question for you. So like with this industry being so like massive. What are your thoughts on hair extensions and wigs and the costs? Because like I said, the, ca- the capitalists of this all, like they're making easy money, yeah. but the costs now to the consumer, like what are your thoughts on that? So I have actually never had a weave or a wig or wore um, human hair, hair extensions. Like the most I've done with extensions is wear braids, which is like Kinecolon. It's a like a like a chemical fabric like it's not it's not actual hair um so I've never had to purchase any of these things but from what I can see um if you want to actually buy good hair you're you're looking at like at the minimum like three hundred dollars um for one bundle which means that I need to buy several bundles to put on my head um, what yeah how about like, whoa whoa <laughs> how, how much hair does a bundle do it's probably not even going to do half your head. You need at least two or three. What? And then on top of that, um, most likely from just from looking it up, from looking at the vendors or people that I know that buy um, hair extensions, they're not buying it from, they're buying it from companies that are in like China based, right? And even if you own a company, you are not getting the direct supplier. You're getting it from someplace in China from what I've seen it's it's mostly Chinese Chinese companies that that have that so the money is not even going to the people as Ruby said the people that are supplying the hair like the actual hair and it's not going to the people that are mostly buying the hair there's always some sort of middle person um and it doesn't look like either of the people that the source is from which makes no sense um and it's it's a big industry and um black and brown people are sort of cut off from it unless you're like the temple who is sort of taking advantage of poor people because they they want the prayers and so they're supplying the hair or from the people that um mostly make wigs or or, or get wigs for black women or do extensions for black women they're sort of being cut off from a lot of the money because they don't they have to buy it from someplace and i guarantee you what where they're buying it from is is not somebody black we're in, not the, somebody we're, that we're in the wrong business. I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing technology trying to make money. I mean, like, I could have been in the hair care, like synthetic. Oh, fibers. you'd make, I mean, it, it, would, it still wouldn't help you because $300 you don't, a bundle, though? You don't look Isn't like that how more you're than drugs? To look. Like, that's more than drugs. Like, it is more than drugs. It's, it's very, it's human hair, right? So it's, it's like virgin. It's never been colored. It's all of these things. Um, and so there's a big, there's a huge demand for it. People like nice wing uh, wigs, especially black women. You don't want um, like Caucasian hair. You want Indian hair. Indian people, um, brown people have beautiful hair and you want that in your head. So that's um, where you're going to go. Ruby, uh, what, are you, what are you doing later with all that hair on your head there? <laughs> I've already donated. It's already died. I've, I've already donated. <laughs> and I need to start growing it out for the next next cut <laughs> okay so i think we can line up alan ross and they might want first dibs on on on, on, on ruby's hair, hair. yeah <laughs> <laughs> well you know what ross i don't know if you want to move to trivia we're, we're approaching the end here 
Um, you know, I, I know Uncle Mike has been, you know, dying to, to jump in. He, he's he's a hair aficionado, and I know he's going to be up to knock this out the park. So, Mike, go ahead. You're going to represent us in the, the hair trivia challenge. Um, you know, Bill don't worry. Jordan, Jordan. Don't, don't, don't feel, don't feel that we intimidated by Al. Jordan. <laughs> it's, not, it's not, I'm representing it's, it's, it's me and you. It's team. It's team. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I tried, I tried to exit stage uh, left. Can't do it. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to stick it out here. Us so Roz, whenever you're ready, you can do your worst. Uncle Mike and I, we, we're, we're feeling pretty confident we could take down Al. Okay. Probably. Okay. <laughs> okay, we'll do it a little bit more organized because this one is not multiple choice. So if you would like to answer, just say me. And whoever says me first gets the first opportunity to answer. Okay? Okay. And I'm going to put okay. myself on mute because of a tendency to get competitive when I'm not supposed to be a part of this. <laughs> <laughs> I can already picture Ruby unmuting yeah. and answering. And blurting out the answer. Yeah. <laughs> you can be on our team too. <laughs> okay, first question. What is shrinkage? Me. <laughs> this is a loaded question, man. Yeah, yeah. What okay, is shrinkage? I need some. Con I need some context. Okay, give him. Give him context. I wish you got a screenshot of Jordan's Jordan's face. <laughs> Anyone watching the video will we'll get an opportunity to laugh. Um, okay, so what is shrinkage in relation to natural hair? Oh, I okay. It's okay, after so. you wash your hair, the shrink is it because it can shrink up to 80%. So if you're doing Ooh. any style or anything like that, you have to make sure that, you know, your, your hair isn't wet, right? And if you're doing any style, you have to twist it or do whatever you're doing to it until it's dry. Oh, oh Mike awesome. strikes first. That was a really yes. good answer. I have a wife. That was there. perfect. Wow. <laughs> Great job, yeah. Mike. Oh. And you were nervous. You wanted a team? <laughs> <laughs> okay one point one point for mike next question what is the lock or lco method okay me oh i know it me first so um the lock method is just a method of keeping moisture in your hair l stands for some sort of liquid the O stands for uh, oil and the C is for cream. So it's just the method of you layer the products on so you keep moisture in your hair. Oh, you know what? That reminds me, I see an opportunity here to address a really disparaging stereotype. I heard uh, a really weird stereotype and I've heard this growing up that people that have dreads have dirty, disgusting hair. And that in order to keep dreads, you know, they've got to be filthy. So, you know, black people with dreads are gross. <laughs> is, is, have, have you guys ever heard of a, a myth like this before? I've heard First, people say it, but it, it's definitely not true. It's definitely not true. And I don't like the, the term dreads. I like to use locks because the word dreads comes from dreadful. So it's not dreadful. They're locks. They're not dreads. Um, and you actually have to keep your hair really clean and take care of it in order for your hair to lock properly and for it to grow. So they probably wash their hair. I've seen my uncle wash his hair more than me. And he has locks. So you do, your, your hair cannot be dirty and, and disgusting in order to maintain a healthy pair of locks. It takes quite a lot of maintenance to have locks. Yeah, I see my The only time that I see people with dirty locks are typically if they're not black. That's when yes. like that's when I see dirty locks. That, that's what my mom calls them actually. <laughs> yeah. Look at these dirty lock people and them. 
Uh, follow fashion that's what she says <laughs> <laughs> okay ross more questions okay maybe one more question. maybe one more because we're tied now right yes yes we're okay. one one last this question is what is cream crack oh i'm gonna give you a me. chance okay me. okay mike said me okay mike yeah. that's the pink ocean Oh, no. Mike. No. 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 Sorry, so, did you say no. pink lotion? Yeah. No. So pink what lotion. It's a is, hair care is product. It's quite disgusting, but it's not the creamy crack. Okay. <laughs> Yo, honestly, it, it, though, but like, I like the way it smells. Like, I've always really, like, it smells like comfort. I've always hated it. it oh, it, Jordan, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. There's nothing good in it for your hair. It, I think it's very popular in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Because uh, oh. I know like my mom's like routine would, would have been with my hair would be like pink lotion, some of the spray, some blue magic. Um, yeah. But now we know better. <laughs> I like how I say pink lotion and it brings up all this conversation. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Elle, your turn. What creamy is crack creamy? is a relaxer. That's the creamy oh. crack. Right. Yeah. Because people are usually addicted to it. So. <laughs> That's the creamy crack for keeping their hair straight. All right, Al, you you win the I didn't trivia. Know that. You yeah, you see, oh, you see, we kind of had a feeling this would happen. Al um, is the first guest to win trivia. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah. Jordan this is the first time Ruby oh. didn't play, so you know. <laughs> I definitely um, did not know what creamy crack was. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, Al, you know what? Thank you so much for being on the pod today. We really, really enjoyed having you and, you know, having you, you know, shed some light on, on hair. Um, we'll probably want to have you back for a follow-up episode because, you know, um, you know, hair is constantly evolving. Um, and, you know, the quadcast crew really, really, really loves having you. So, you know, we wish you all the best. Um, thank you once again. Thank you guys for having me and for speaking with me, allowing me in your space. Um, I've listened to about six episodes so far of your podcast. So I look forward to, you know, listening to more and hearing all your different, like, and interesting topics. Thank you for having me. This has been the Technically Diverse Podcast. Remember to hit subscribe on whichever app you prefer to get your podcasts. You can also connect with us on various social platforms. On Twitter, you can follow us at TechnicallyD. On Instagram, you can follow us at Technically Diverse. Or if you prefer to watch, subscribe to our YouTube channel that shares the same name, Technically Diverse. We also love getting feedback and ideas, so if there's anything you'd like to see, you can send us an email to technicallydiverse at gmail.com. Time is a